Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please, pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, I I know I say this repetitively on the show, but it's so innate for me and so organic that I keep meeting these incredible heart-centered leaders around the globe. I'm, I'm meeting them through colleagues and friends and family and clients referring. I'm using different platforms where I'm intersecting and You've often heard me say that I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in intersection and serendipity. And that's how I met our guest this morning. So let me introduce you to Rick Lozano. He helps people unlock their potential and amplify their talent. And he does this in such a unique way of blending his beautiful, positive, happy energy, his expertise, and he has a musician's soul. He's got over 20 years of experience, award-winning talent, and leadership development within his programs. And he is bringing his unique approach to audiences across the globe, combining the culmination of his experience. He's a world-class speaker. He's a singer. He's a musician. You never know. I might even get serenaded for like maybe the second or third time on the show. So Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate you having me. I love the combination of the talents that you bring. And I'm, I'm going to jump right into my questions because I've been really excited to interview you. You have such a, I'm going to say, diversified and eclectic background. Share with us how you blended your energies and your expertise. And, and we all know music is good for the soul. How yeah. did you land up in this space and share with us a bit of the backstory? And, and I think you're doing your legacy work now. Thank you. So, you know, what's really funny about this story is it was completely accidental. So as you mentioned, I've got 20 years in leadership and talent development, and my background is as a trainer. I spent about a decade in corporate training for a financial services company, and then another decade in technology. And something changed my life about eight years ago. I had a leader who one day sat down and said, hey, Rick, you're great at three things. And I said, really? That's it? He said, yes, three things. You're a great speaker, you're a great facilitator, and you're a great musician. And he said, do those three things. And I said, well, you know, I've got a gig next week over at this bar across town. He said, no, 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 no. Do those three things at work. And Deb, I had no idea what in the world this guy was talking about. And he, he said to me, these words came out of his mouth. He said, I'm telling you, this is your secret thing. This is the Rick Lozano magic, right? And I said, okay, but what does this look like? I have no clue how to do all of this. And he said, PFM. I said, what's PFM? He goes, pure freaking magic. PFM. And I tell you what, I don't know why the world works the way it works. But at that point in my life, I was very in that moment where I was thinking like an improviser saying, you know what, say yes. And whatever the world throws at you, just take it and do it. 
And so I did. I started bringing my guitar to work. I started thinking like a musician when I was working in talent development. And suddenly I started finding all of these connections and, and just this inspiration all over the place. And yeah, I started bringing my guitar to work and it just transitioned to this career that I live now. And it's, it's been fascinating and just such a fun, fun journey. And you know what the fun alignment is for me, because nobody can see your face light up and, and your smile from ear to ear when you talk about this. Where do we all go when we're feeling any type of emotion? We all turn on music. Yeah. You know, music really touches the depths of our soul. It serves to help our heartache for all the things that life hands us. Yeah. And I just think it's such a cool leader that you had to point out your top three, not your best three, your top three, because I'm sure there's many more. But then you leaned into the music to pull the emotion to show the link and the alignment of all the talent that you've done in leadership. And I just, I hope the listeners see that the potential is limitless if you have such a good leader to foster that. And I love the PFM. That's the first one. I like that acronym. I might have to put a post-it note on my screen. And, and now when I see that, it'll be a, a mnemonic for me back to you. I love that. There you go. Now, my, my second question has permanent residency on the show. I've asked over 170 leaders this question. Share with us what imperfections, hence the name of the show, that you bring to your heart-centered leadership? <laughs> well, why don't we start with my inability to plan correctly? Uh, Deb, as you all know, your listeners can't see this, but I, I'm standing here sweaty and in gym clothes because I totally spaced our timing today. And I, I, I made a mess in my calendar. And at the very last second, I showed up and you were gracious enough to say, don't worry, we're just recording audio. So let's start with my imperfection when it comes to planning and focus. Those are two things that I am just not great at. And it's one of those, especially now I work for myself and running a business, obviously being able to plan and being able to focus is something that's hugely important. And so it's one of those things where I've told myself, you know, let's, let's think about who I am. I'm never going to be great at this. And that's no longer the goal. The goal is to have enough things in place so that I don't totally screw it up most of the time. But on the other side of that coin, let's spend more of my time on those areas where I actually am really good. So yes, I've got my imperfections just like we all do. And I'm going to try my best not to let them get in my way. But I'm also not going to spend a ton of time trying to change who I am. Well, you know, like you, I'm a solo entrepreneur but we have the same mandate and outlook as the CEO of an organization. We're the CEO of, of us. Yep. So like you, surrounding ourselves and letting other people do what either we don't like to do or we're not very good at, it's the same analogy, just on a much smaller scale. And I think when we lean into what we don't like to do. Those are the things that sit on the desk and, and we, we put them at the top of the procrastination pile, right? Yeah. It's the same analogy. So the size of the organization doesn't matter. We're executing that same leadership for self. It's yeah. much like this show. There's a team behind me that helps me pull this off. I mean, I get to show up and do the fun part and, and meet the guests and, and have a great interview. That's the planning and, and structure that I need to do. But then the back end and the final product... I leave it to the people that know what they're doing and have the skills to do it. And I think it's important that we talk about this as solopreneurs yeah. and imperfections. It's, it always brings a laugh on the show. People say, how much time do we got, Deb? And we don't talk about it enough. Yeah. 
I am in a, a community of solopreneurs. So I, I have this network, this uh, group program that I'm part of, and it's a whole lot of entrepreneurs. And most of them run what a lot of people would call expert-based businesses, you know, coaches, consultants, all those sorts of things. And it's really funny because that nomenclature of expert is one of those things where people are expected to have all the answers. But what's amazing about this community that I work in is we've got all these quote unquote experts showing up going, I don't know how to do this. I don't know these particular things and I need help in this area. And it just really speaks to the nature of, hey, the wisest leaders, the wisest entrepreneurs know they need help. We've all got these areas of opportunity to develop. And, you know, having this network of trusted people around me has really in the last two years, especially in the COVID era, era has made all the difference. Having a trusted group of advisors, friends, consultants around me saying, hey, we're all learning together. Let's get rid of this expert word because, you know, we, we all have our expertise, but none of us are perfect. We all have an opportunity to both learn from and to share with each other to get better. And that's what I love about the community I'm a part of. Well, and I'm glad that you touched on that because I think, I think the word expert and the vision or the persona, I think it's being flatlined with the pandemic. And I'm not taking away from anyone who has spent 10,000 hours on something and they're proficient, but we need to embrace imperfection because if we're truly not evolving and elevating every day as a human being, we're not really living. And I don't want to be an expert in anything. I would like to learn many things and keep getting better each day and then paying it forward to maybe teach someone else, which really is the foundation of leadership. So I'm so glad that you brought up that point. Okay. My third question is I was waiting to see, you know, if you, if you brought something to fruition with your acoustic leadership and you have, and I know that you've developed a book, tell us about from the moment or inclination of the idea to how it all came together, the pain points, the yeah. high points, and when you finally released it, and how has it been received? This has been such an incredible journey. And let me tell you exactly where it started. So at the time, I was still full-time employed. I was working for a technology company, about a 6,000-person or global company, moving at light speed, as you can imagine technology companies do. And my primary role there was emerging leadership programs. So we were developing leadership competencies and we were working on helping all of our leaders at all levels sort of get better at what they do. And I had a moment of realization. We were busy creating our model for what our leadership competencies looked like in our organization. And the simple truth of the matter is sometimes this world of leadership competencies gets really fuzzy. You know, you've got six different buckets of categories subdivided by 12 different behavioral competencies mapped across five different levels of proficiency. And of course, all of those levels are mapped across the different levels of leadership, manager, senior manager. And I suddenly looked at all of this stuff and I thought, we're making this difficult. This is my job to help develop leaders and we're making this difficult. And then I would look at some of the words that we had, and it would say things like, oh, okay, on a rating scale of one to five, does this leader demonstrate this proficiency at a level four or a level five? And in the, in the descriptions, it would say words like, they can do this competency in considerably difficult situations or in exceptionally difficult situations. And I thought, this is, this is too much. What am I going to do in the middle of, like, say, the competency is having hard conversations? I'm going to say, okay, time out. Hold on. 
Is this a considerably difficult conversation or is this an exceptionally difficult one? And, you know, I, I was at that point where I thought my job is to help other people do their best work. And this, to me, is obfuscating the point just a little bit. Now, that's not to say that competencies aren't important. I think leaders, everyone needs to know exactly what's kind of expected. But I also thought, you know, the truth is, and kind of to our previous point, our leaders aren't going to be great at all of these things. They're not. And we can't expect someone to look at a, a list of 20 competencies and say, we've got to be great at all of them. It's unrealistic. So my frustration lent itself to this question, which is, how do we help leaders help others? And I started thinking, and, and as with all things in my life, the answer came from music. And this is a true story, Deb. So I was at one day, I was just sort of spending some time at work. I was putting on some music, listening to some stuff. And one of the things that came up in my playlist was an old MTV Unplugged episode. And I started listening to this. And at the time, I think it was Eric Clapton's Unplugged album. And I thought, yeah, this is just really well done. And something clicked. I thought, what's making all of these, you know, if you think about MTV Unplugged, they, I think they still might even do it. But it was a hugely successful program for the, for the show, for MTV, when they actually did music. And I thought, what makes these things resonate? And I realized there were three core components, simplicity, authenticity, and opportunity. It was simple. It was scaled back. It was minimalistic. It was authentic. There was, there was no room to hide behind giant light shows and guitar effects. It was the real deal. It was intimate and it was raw. And then finally, it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for the bands to do something different. It was an opportunity for the audience to do something different. And, and somewhere in this just brainstorming that I was doing, I realized those three platforms for leadership development, simplicity, authenticity, opportunity, and it just erupted. And of course, you know, the book took a lot of work and it took a lot of time to come to fruition in a fully formed idea sense. But those three principles were there. Simplicity, let's make it easy. As leaders, let's make it easy for people to be their best selves and do their best work, whatever that means. Authenticity, let's develop real, authentic, in your language, imperfect relationships built on trust and accountability. And then finally, opportunity. I think, in my opinion, a leader's best gift, the best gift a leader can give someone else is the gift of opportunity. And we started this show with an example of that. That's what the leader gave to me. When that leader gave to me the idea of PFM and what it meant for me, it changed my life. And yeah, that's kind of where acoustic leadership was born. It's been really well received. The people who have read it, and, you know, the truth of the matter is not a lot of people want to read leadership books these days, but the people who have read it have responded really, really well. And one of the things they consistently say is, I love that this is in your voice. It sounds like you. It sounds like I'm having a conversation with you. And Deb, this was a specific choice. When I was writing the manuscript, I had a conversation with my editor at the time. And in the very first draft, they said, you know, this sounds great, but this is kind of casual. This is kind of just laid back. And if I'm honest, there's a couple of expletives in the book, not a lot of them, but a few here and there. And my, my editor said, we run the risk of this being too casual and coming off maybe a little unprofessional. And I said, I'm willing to take that risk because I'm talking about authenticity. I can't sit here and have one of the core components of my book be authenticity and not speak from my authentic self. This is who I am. This is who shows up. These are the words that I use in casual conversation, informal conversation. And yes, I don't in meetings, you know, drop F-bombs or anything like that. 
but this is who I am. And, and it's been wonderful to see how well it's been received. There's lots of nuggets in what you just said there, the simplicity, authenticity, and opportunity. I asked you what three words came to your mind when you thought of leadership. And I love what you said about long, drawn-out assessments. I join you in that arena wholeheartedly, and I'm sure we're close in age. We grew up with all kinds of assessments. I believe there's good ones. I believe there's indifferent ones, poor ones, and flat out bad ones. There's not a one assessment pulls everybody out because we capture people in a moment of time. I'm a big proponent of personality assessments, grew up with them. But we have to remember neuroscience has continued to evolve. We have more research. And now that we've navigated what we've navigated for two years, Let's lean in and look at simplistic behavioral assessments, which is the world I've been in for the last 12 and previously in the medical world, that's the world I worked in. You know, I look at the works of Adam Grant when he talks about personality, it's memorized emotion. We all have a level of a memorization that we're good at, but when we have to show up with that behavior And like you said, it's not a one size fits all. We need something simplistic because leaders sometimes have milliseconds to decide or delegate. And we're not looking to have them be good or great at everything. And it's inundating. And quite frankly, it's exhausting. So I am so refreshed to hear you say that this morning because I've been in that space and it can be a lonely space that not everybody buys into. Because I think sometimes the authenticity can get jaded or foggy with a fiduciary responsibility. Absolutely. So powerful. Now, my last question, I had asked you what you wanted our listeners to really take away as a nugget from our talk today. I'm going to give you the three statements that you gave me because you may not remember what you said. I'll put it in the form of a question. You're saying that passion is often the result of action. Tap into your passion to unlock creativity outside your passion. And what you've beautifully talked about this whole interview is your style is is your own. So own it. Let's talk to the new leaders, the up and coming leaders or the introverted leaders. The passion is in the deep pit of their gut. It's visceral. How do you tap into it in a noisy world? You know, it's, it's difficult. And I think the first thing we have to do is have a discussion around what passion really means. And there's a lot of schools of thought on this. And, you know, if, if I think back to some of the things that I heard, you know, in my formative years, it was follow your passion and do what you're passionate about. But I didn't know what I was passionate about. I was, I was like a lot of people. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life until, gosh, I was maybe 30 years old. I hadn't really found out what that passion was. And I found that there was a whole lot of, you know, leaders and motivational speakers who would say, that's the magic. You got to find your passion. And somewhere around the, the, the way I realized, if I think about what passion is to me, passion is the result of action. I'm passionate, for example, about music because I've done it my whole life. I'm passionate now about scuba diving. You don't know this about me, but uh, my wife and I are scuba divers. About four years ago, we just said, hey, we're going to try this. And we now have almost 200 dives under our belt and we're passionate scuba divers. We were just curious when we started. 
But once we started going underwater, we realized this is fascinating. I love this. And in that sense, passion to me is the result of action. You find your passion by taking action. And this is almost liberating to me because I think a lot of people go, I've got to find this wonderful thing. And I think, you know what? It's almost liberating to say, you don't need to find it. You just need to try stuff, do things. And if that doesn't make itself into a passion, do something else. Passion is the result of action. And I think we've got to start. And then from there, the advice I give to people is, look, your passions and your talents are completely different from what mine are. And that's okay. But what you'll find in your passions now is a source of energy, a source of inspiration and a source of connections. And I'll give you a couple of ideas here. So when I very, very first moved as a, in, into my work as a keynote speaker, I was all in on the passion thing because, you know, it had happened to me. I had somebody said, bring your guitar to work. And now I was out there. I was one of them telling people, bring your passion to work, you know, and rightfully, I got called out on it one day. Uh, this guy that I was in a, a conference with, he says, hey, that's really inspiring and fascinating, but I've got a question for you. What if my passion is stripping? How do I do that at work? <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, first, you're a jerk. But second, you're right. You know, you probably can't do that. And what I realized, and I was actually really grateful that he said that because it made me rethink my approach. And I realized, look, everyone can't bring their quote unquote passions in that sense to work. But what you can do is lean on those areas of excellence as inspiration. And so a while back, I was thinking through that exact analogy. I said, okay, well, what can we learn from dancers? Precision timing, balance, grace, flow. You can lean on those concepts in any work that you do. And when you're thinking like a dancer, that unlocks creativity and innovation. So in my mind, it's about, hey, create your passion. Once you find your passion, and, and by the way, yes, some people already know what it is, and that's great. But from your passion, it's a wellspring of inspiration and connections. Use that to enable creativity. And then finally, to your last point, you got to own it. This is, this is who you are. And it was, it was really interesting for me that when I started bringing my guitar to work, I was very, very insecure. I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to go because I was, I was crossing some boundaries here. You know, you always have people say, there's your personal side and there's your business side and you should never mix the two. And I was a little bit trepidatious to, to bring that whole thing to work, but it wasn't until I finally said, hey, this is who I am and this is what I have to offer the world in this unique way that I was able to make some progress with it. I will share one thing with you, though, that I think has really helped make that transition. Using music in the work that I do can't be about me. It can't be about me. And in the, in the, in the situations I've had where maybe I didn't connect with my audience, it was because I was making myself the focus of it. Whereas now what I really try to do is music, use music to connect us all, to speak to those universal truths and yeah, in my keynotes and stuff, I bring people up on stage and we do it together. So it's not about me. It's us creating this connected experience together. Well, I love that answer because you've pulled in a lot of things. You even landed up giving me an answer of our Fab Four first question, which I'll get to in a minute. But the summation of what you just said to me and how I'm interpreting it is two things. First of all, action will always give you traction. Your authenticity of bringing your music talent and combine it with your authenticity to do the leadership work that you're doing, 
I love it. You own it. It's like, this is who I am. I have an Italian friend who always jokes with me and and uses that cliche and and lots of memes. You know, we're not pizza. Not everyone's going to like us. We're not everyone's flavor. But if we wake up every day owning who we are, the analogy that you had about bringing your guitar into work was the same premise of what I wanted to do when I started this podcast. I wanted to highlight imperfection and show that it has a place within heart-centered, which has a place within leadership. And this show isn't about me. It's about showing the alignment of beautiful people across the globe because our sector doesn't really matter anymore. We're all in the people business. We have technology at our fingertips, AI in our back pocket. We're everywhere. It doesn't matter where we live. We can connect and be heart-centered and and bring the music as a metaphor into all that we do. So I just think it's really serendipitous that our paths have crossed. So I'm going to switch gears. Okay. And I'm going to ask you my fab four. I almost want to put you on the spot because you answered the first question, which is tell us something we don't know about you. Well, you're a scuba diver. Is there something else you can share? Do you want to grab your guitar and and give us a 90 second jingle of Rick, the amazing musical? I had a consultant on the show from Germany and uh, he does 90 second YouTube videos. And I said, let's be spontaneous. Do you want to do a 90 second? He's like, I'd love to. And I, I put the timer on the phone and the way, and away we go. So you can answer this question with your guitar and tell us something else we don't know about you. I am a real songwriter, quote unquote. I, uh, I, I have written six albums of original material. I was a finalist in a national uh, singer-songwriter competition through a national public radio uh, program years ago. Um, and I arguably am pretty good at what I do, but it's never been my focus. I've never written music to make money. I've never wanted to be a touring musician or anything like that, but but it's just something I can't help but do. And the funny part about that, and the reason I bring it up is I I write these songs and some of them, I I would encourage your listeners to go to Spotify or wherever else you listen to music. There's, There's some really good music out there. But the amazing thing is the things that people love and the things that nowadays that I do in my presentations, they're not the serious songs. They're the funny ones. People just love the funny things. And it's really funny because when I look at some of the the playlists that I've been on, it's the silly songs that people just seem to resonate with the most. And for a while there, it it bugged me because I thought, no, I'm a serious musician. I don't want to show that side of myself. But then from the owning your style perspective, I thought, this is making people laugh. This is making people connect with me. This is who I am. So you know what? I'm going to write as many funny songs as, you know, my brain decides to kick out there. So with that in mind, I would love to share. Let me see if this is on. Hold on. Uh, I don't know if it's 90 seconds, so we'll have to just go with it. Okay, I was trying to make sure I was in tune. Here we go. One of the things I've been doing, like many people, I've been living in the world of LinkedIn. That's where I make most of my professional connections. And, you know, we talked about authenticity earlier. And as well, you you and I well know that sometimes the way that we approach people on LinkedIn is... Well, some of the things that we get in our inbox are a little less than authentic. So I thought, hey, this is kind of, you know, what am I going to do about this? It's kind of annoying on one hand, but oh, well, it's also, hey, you know what it is? It's 
fodder for a good song. So I wrote a song using all of the things that were in my inbox in LinkedIn. <laughs> the song is called, I'd Love to Connect. Here we go. love to connect no you don't know me we've never met but based on your profile you seem to be someone who should be connecting with me and then it gets into it it goes as a full service investment banking firm we are approached directly by middle market buyers actively looking for acquisition targets in your area are you open for a brief five to ten minute call and it's never five minutes, you know. <laughs> Here's another one. Hey there, Rick. Do you have some time? In just 20 minutes, I'm sure that you'll find our B2B solution cuts through the mess and directly enables your business success. I work for an investment firm and we just launched a new accelerator program that helps early stage companies get to market better, faster, and cheaper. But the funny thing is when you don't respond, sometimes things get a little, uh, they get dark. Hey there, Rick. You have yet to reply. I'm following up as I'm curious why. Unlimited success for a nominal fee. You really should be connecting with me. Don't you want to be successful? No, here's the thing. Your approach is all wrong. Almost like something in a parody song. I'm not even remotely a fit. Did you look at my bio? Do you give a shit? You didn't even try to figure out who I am. This message is headed directly to spam. Hey, meeting planner. My name is Rick. I'm a dynamic speaker who might do the trick at your zoology conference in Orlando next fall. Would it make sense to jump on a call? Hey there, Deb. I'd love to connect. That is so amazing. And, and you know what? There's such a mood point there. I talk about the definition of heart-centered leadership being honoring your connection with people, not spewing a bunch of facts, jumping on a call. I mean, you did it so, so fun with, with your lyrics and, and just seeing the expressions on your face that I know our listeners can't see, but you have to honor the connection and Heart-centered leadership isn't about reciprocity. It's not transactional. And I mean, I've worked with some clients who I've worked on the relationship for years. And if you want to land a big client, a medium client, a small client, it doesn't matter. It's treading lightly and, and not spewing facts, figures, accelerator programs, and we should jump on a call. And I mean, you did that. That was still good. I, had, I was on mute, but I was laughing out loud. And it was just 
such a great, I mean, LinkedIn, I spend a lot of time there too and showcase who you are and what you believe and what your authenticity is. Because I think when you behave your brand, people can see that. So I'm going to end the show with my my last question. And I just want to say it was <laughs> such an honor to connect with you and, and have some laughs. And you are, you are authentic. I can probably only imagine what it would be like to be in the front row of, of one of your keynotes. But thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for being imperfect and in your sweaty gym, gym clothes <laughs> and laying that out and it being okay because it is okay. Just keep sharing your heart and being heart-centered. You you were a wonderful guest to be on the show. Thank you, Deb. And thank you for putting the positive energy that you put into the world with the Imperfect Podcast, as well as the heart-centered leadership. So thank you. Well, we lift and rise together. So finish this sentence for me and we'll close out the show. Heart-centered leadership is? Helping others. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.